if you'll remember, last week, how many remember last week? First John, we got in the first chapter, right? There's, John told us a few main things in chapter one. The first thing was this. He experienced Christ personally. Remember that? He, he saw him. He touched him. He heard him. Personally experienced Christ. The second thing was this. His joy was complete in writing about true fellowship. True fellowship with Jesus Christ can only come through true fellowship with God. Amen? Can only be found. Third thing is this. Last thing was this. And there was a lot of other things, but the main things is God is light. So I love, I, so I love this, this graphic. God is light, and one cannot fellowship with the light if they are walking in darkness. One cannot fellowship with the light as they are walking in darkness. That was just the beginning of 1 John, and now we're going to get into 1 John part 2. So if you will, pray with me this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to get into your word. Lord, we pray that it would move and shake us. Lord, that it would change and break us when necessary. Lord, we thank you that it's encouraging and uplifting, but challenging. And so, Lord, we pray that our lives would be challenged, that we would be pushed to the brink, that we would learn to grow in our faith. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, John doesn't like to pull punches. John tells it like it is. It's black and white. Chuck Swindoll said this. I like this. He said that this is a book that is presented in an uncomplicated way. There is light, there is right, and there is wrong, period. The message is blunt and clear, but it's filled with love. How many say it's important that it be filled with love, right? It is out of my love for you that I share this gospel today. Out of my love for you that you will not be deceived. I have a question. Do you mind if I preach today? No, no, I, I'm asking. Do you mind if I preach? I don't, I'm not just going to teach a little bit. Do you mind if I preach today, Susie? Right? Because, listen, if I'm going to preach, I want, I want to know that you're going to respond to what the Word of God is saying. Right? You say, Pastor David, what do you mean respond? I want to hear, Jeff, give me an amen. Oh, boy, if Jeff gives an amen, that's how you know the Holy Spirit's moving. Right? Come on. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. Is you say, I don't, I don't want you to just say amen for my sake. I want, you, I want to know that you're connecting with what the Word of God is saying. Amen? amen. Come on. <laughs> I love you, Mary. Amen? Amen. Listen, we aren't going to be some fuddy-duddy church this morning, are we? Oh, boy. Some fuddy-duddy, stuck-in-the-mud church. Are we, are, is, that we're gonna, is that what we're going to be this morning? No. no? Can I get an amen? That was weak. Can I get an amen? Ain't better. The love... We first see this love in chapter 2. It says this, first slide. My little children, another way to say this is my dear children. My little children, my dear children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. We're not writing these things to you so that we can be the rulers over you or that we can put uh, uh, rules and regulations all over you. We're, we're telling you those, these things out of love for you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, listen. We're writing these things so you don't sin. But if you do, see, John knows we're human. 
right? John's not oblivious. He doesn't have his head in the clouds. He, he understands that we're, we're messed up people. He says, if you, if anyone does sin, keep in mind that we have an advocate with the Father is Jesus Christ, the righteousness. I like the language he uses. He uses that of a father. My dear children, my little children. How many know it's good for fathers to speak to their children with love? Amen. The desire is that we may not sin. The desire is that sin has no place in our life, Bobby. Amen. Come on. But John says, hey, listen, at some point, the likelihood is, Gary, that at some point, whether by thought or deed, sin is going to enter your life. So with that in mind, he gives us an answer. He says this, I like this. He gives us an answer on what to do as a Christian who at times may fall into sin. The answer is this, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with the Father. The question is this, why would Jesus advocate or stand up or defend us? Why would Jesus do that, Susie? Why would he do that? Because the, 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 the truth is, how many know the truth is we're guilty? Come on. We are. We're guilty. That's the truth of it. The hard truth is regardless of all of our excuses and blame shifting and explanations of why this happened or why we fall into sin, we are absolutely and unmistakably guilty. I know this isn't the, this isn't the part people like to shout at. This isn't the part people like to say amen to, but it's true nonetheless. That, listen, how many know we, we've gotten angry when we shouldn't? We gossip about coworkers. We know we shouldn't. We give in to lustful thoughts. We know we shouldn't. We go to places we're not supposed to. We know we shouldn't. We say things we're not supposed to. We know we shouldn't. All right? That's sin. We are guilty. There's no question about it. So why would Jesus stand up for us? The answer is found in verse 2. Go to the next slide. It says this. He is the propitiation. Say propitiation. It's a big word. It beats the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Somebody say amen. Say propitiation. We've talked about this before. It's a big word with huge significance. And because it's not a relatively known term, I want to give you what it means so that it's easy to understand the next time you hear it. Propitiation means he was the one who stood in the gap for your sin. He stood in the gap for mine by taking it on the cross. Amen? He stood in the gap for your sin and mine. He became the sacrifice. I like what uh, uh, Dr. James Dobson, he was talking about this. Uh, that sometimes, how many know that sometimes we use big words in, in the Christian language? Some we say God is uh, omnipotent. God is omniscient, right? What, how many know what omniscient means? Some people would say, I know what, I, what omniscient means. But basically, a good way to say it is he knows. God knows. God is omnipotent. He can do it. I like that. It kind of sim it simplifies it down. It doesn't take away from the meaning of it. How many, how many, uh, God, omnipresent, right? I, I listened to this this last week. I love it. James Dobson said, uh, when omnipresent, he said, he's there, right? Because the truth is that God knows. The truth is he knows. You say, nobody knows. 
Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I've done. Nobody knows what my past was like. Nobody knows. Listen, he knows. That's omniscient. Here's the interesting thing. And he's all-powerful, right? Say, nobody can help me. Nobody can heal me. Nobody, nobody can. Listen, no, no, no. He can do it. Amen? That's who God is. He can do it. And you don't understand. I'm so alone. You don't understand. I'm so alone all the time. God is omnipresent. It means he's there. Amen? And then we have the word propitiation. Here's a good, word, a good way to say it. God satisfies. God satisfies. You see, there was, there was, we were all guilty. We were all messed up, right? We were all messed up, guilty people. But Jesus Christ became the propitiation. Jesus became the satisfaction of the justice that was required at the hand of God. He stood in the gap for you, and he stood in the gap for me, and he did it at the cross. His love for us is so great that God steps into humanity and becomes the sacrifice needed to restore broken relationships. It's powerful. John says this, I like this, not for our sin only, but for the whole world. It is so important for someone to understand that Christ didn't just die for some. Amen? Christ didn't just die for some. He wasn't a sacrifice for a few. He didn't sacrifice himself for one corner or section of humanity. He did it for the whole world. Whoever believes in me, right? shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I am so glad to share the good news with you today that Christ came for all. Whatever your past, whatever your pedigree, whatever your circumstances, Christ saw that we were guilty, and rather than have us take on the punishment ourselves, he stepped in the gap for us. He is our propitiation. Say propitiation. Now you know what it means. Amen? But here's the catch. Say there's a catch. There's a catch. It's this. It's important that you know he provided it. It's also important to know that it's up to you to accept it. Amen? He provided this amazing gift. It's up to us to accept it. And how do we do that? Number, verse 3, 1 John 2, verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. How do we know that we've come to know him? Very simple. If we keep his commandments. John says the truth here is that many people, listen, how many people know? People ignore this. People disregard it. They choose to not even acknowledge it. That in order to, that for us to know Christ, what shows that we know Jesus is that we keep his commandments. How many know those who, cl who claim to know Christ but don't follow his word in any way? Man, I, you know, I know the Lord, but I, I don't need to do that. I know the Lord, but I know what it says there, but I'm good. 
Listen, there are those who claim Christ who looked, act, and talk, and respond the same way they did before they met Christ. People who say they claim, people say, yeah, I, I met Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But you can't tell any difference between who they were now, who they are now versus who they were then. You say, Pastor David, this is getting a little punchy. I told you, John doesn't pull punches. But there's a reason behind it. John says, wait a minute. You can't say you know him but not follow him. John says that makes you, he says it this way, that makes you a liar. It makes you a liar to say that you know Jesus, but you won't follow his commandments. John says this. He says, the truth is not even in you. Boy, that's hard. Verse 4, it says this. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever, listen to this, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. This is important. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever says he abides in Christ, our goal should be to walk in the same way that Christ walked. You see, in getting down to it, this is where you have to make a decision. This is where you have to make a decision. Do you want the truth or are you satisfied with the lie? Do you want the truth or are you satisfied with a lie? You see, the lie looks good, doesn't it? The lie looks good. I can claim Christ and then do whatever I want. The lie looks good. I can claim Christ and then I can drink however much I want. I can sleep with whoever I want. I can claim Christ and I can treat people any way I want. John says, you're a liar. The truth of God is not in you. The truth says that the sacrifice provided by Christ wasn't cheap. And you shouldn't treat it as cheap. Amen? Listen, the truth is, if you've really accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you will stop living as a cheap person. You will stop living as a cheap person. You say, Pastor David, man, this is not the, the this joy that I have, right? That was last week. The world didn't give it to me. I had someone send me a video afterwards of that song, and they were dancing to it. I thought, maybe I'll have them come up and dance for you. I like what the message says about this. It says this. Listen, I know this is tough, but hear me out. How many would rather have the truth than a lie? Truth, right? How many would rather have the truth than a lie? Come on, the message says this. I like this. It's paraphrasing. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. Anybody that claims to be intimate with God should live the same life that Jesus lived. You know, it's kind of funny. If you thought it was all sunshine and rainbows, you came to the wrong church this morning. Some people are laughing. (laughs) If you thought it was all sunshine and rainbows, you came to the wrong church. Listen, there's churches just down the road that will feed you a sweet-tasting lie. Oh, it tastes sweet. It tastes sweet, but in this church, listen, under the directive of God and with the love of Christ, I have to tell you that when Christ has truly affected change in your life, it won't just be lip service. 
It won't just be lip service. It will be a total and complete transformation from who you were to who you are. Listen, you can't go from death to life and there will be no change. Amen? I can give you a sweet-tasting lie. I was, uh, when I was a youth pastor, many years ago, uh, we played a game. And uh, Jonathan, where's Jonathan? Uh, you, might wa- you might not want to play this game. Uh, we did a caramel apple eating contest. Yeah, it was, it was fall, and so we did caramel apples. We did a caramel apple eating contest. And uh, we took one of the apples, and it was an onion. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Some people think it's funny, right? Uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, I still remember this kid named Jacob. Jacob, man, this, this kid, he was a beast. This kid, he, he, we had the apples set up, apples set up. We had four, I think it was four apples and then one onion. And so we got five volunteers, and, and Jacob comes up. He's all ready. He's like, yeah, all right. He's hungry, all right? And the goal is to get done with your apple before anybody else. And so this is what, oh, it's so funny. Oh, man. Even, even thinking back, I go, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. So we say, all right, on your mark, get set. So he bites in as big as he, uh, big, I mean, just, right? He bites in. And listen, here's what's funny. He goes, his face contorts right away. He's, ah, that's an onion. That's exactly what he said. Ah, that's an onion. The funny thing is the kid powered through it. That kid kept chopping. I, th- I don't know if he won, but I can't remember if he won. But here's the thing. Uh, it was a sweet, uh, say, Pastor David, that's cruel. Pastor David, that's cruel. You took an onion and put caramel on it. Pastor David, that is messed up cruel. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, right? How much more cruel is it to give you a false gospel and tell you it's truth? How much more cruel is it for me? I can give you a sweet-tasting lie. I can put the caramel on it. Cover up the bitter. I can cover up the onion. But the more you dig into it, man, that kid Jacob, he ripped into it too. It was the funniest thing in the world, man. I'm telling you. I still think, man, to this day, that kid. Charles Spurgeon says this. I like Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher. We don't agree on everything. It's okay. He's passed away a long, long time ago now. It says this, the Christian no longer loves sin. It is the object of a sternest horror. He no longer regards it as mere trifle. He no longer plays with it. He no longer talks of it with unconcern. Sin may enter the heart. Listen to this. It may enter the heart and fight for dominion, but it cannot sit on the throne. The problem is there's too many people who call themselves Christians where sin sits on their throne. And it's understanding why it looks so sweet. I understand the temptation. But the reality is that it's deceptive and cruel. It's deceptive and cruel. Now what's crazy is that John says this isn't anything new. It's nothing new. He says this in verse 7. The next slide, it says this. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandments, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. 
I'm not telling you anything new. I'm telling you what was from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, I like this. He says, on the other hand, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him or in Christ and you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The message says it this way. I'm not writing anything new here. This is the oldest commandment in the book, and you've known it from day one. But perhaps it is new, freshly minted in you. As it is in both Christ and you, it's not anything new. It's what we've always known. We can play games. We can make excuses, but it's what we've always known. If you know Christ, you'll keep his commandments. That's nothing new, right? Come on. I'm, I, man, I know everyone's kind of like, Ugh. That's nothing new. That if we love Christ, we'll keep his commandments. You say, Pastor David, isn't that just like salvation by works? No. I didn't say that if you do the works or do the commandments, then you'll know him. Keep in mind, don't get confused here. This isn't works-based faith. Right? We are saved by grace through faith. Let there be no mistake about that. We are saved by the blood of God, by the blood of Christ, by grace through faith. Jesus didn't say that, John didn't say that if you keep Jesus' commandments, you'll know him, right? John didn't say that, and I know that's how many people think. If I just read my Bible enough, I'll know him. Boy, you know, if I just spend an hour in prayer each day, I'll know him. If I just do this, then dot, dot, dot. So we try to come up with formulas, Bobby, of how can we know him? That's not what John says here. John isn't saying, based on the work you do, when you do the work, you'll get to know him. He's saying this, when you know him, when you know him, Mary, then out of your heart, now all of a sudden things start to change. And it says this, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is shining. Amen. So now I'm not reading my Bible to get to know him. I'm, I, I got to know him, and now I want to know more about him. Amen. I'm not having to engage in 60 minutes of just getting on my knees or sitting in a chair, hoping somehow the Spirit of God will, will talk to me and say something. Now I'm just, okay, this is obligatory. This is just what I have to do because I'm a Christian right? No, no, it's not that. Now it's because I have a relationship with Christ. I realize his power in my life. And now out of that, I want to spend time with him. I want to get to know him. I want to, I want to have communication with him, pig. Right? So it's not because of these things that we know him. It's because of him that we engage in these things. Well, Pastor David, you don't understand. I need to pray to get to know him. Listen, it's, I've been changed by him, and now I want to spend time with him. Because I've been changed by him, I want to spend time with him. The Bible says this. He says that I, I love this. I long to be among my people is what God says. God says he wants to be among you. And you think that is just such hard work. 
God wants to speak into your life this morning. God wants to speak into your life at your home. I was talking with someone. They said, uh, uh, I said, what did they do after the breakfast yesterday? And they said they went home and they, they watched the game and then they had chores. They did chores around the house. And I think, you know, so, I mean, you can be in your house and you're just doing chores. You're vacuuming. You're dusting. You're doing whatever you're doing. You're mowing the lawn. You're, you're doing the stuff that has to be done around the house. Well, can't you just talk, why can't you talk to God there? Why can't you have relationship and God, speak to me. I'm driving to work. Lord, I'm, I know I'm not in a church on my knees in front of the altar, but God, speak to me. Let's have a conversation right now. That's what is relationship. Amen? Religion says you have to do this. Relationship says I get to do this. Amen? Religion says you have to do this. Jocelyn? I don't want to pick on her. She's blushing right now. Religion says you have to do this, Jocelyn. You have to do this. You have to. Religion says out of my relationship, I want to. That's what relationship says. Did I say religion? I meant relationship. Forgive me. Darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Verse 9 says this. Oh, this is important. This is where we're going to step on more toes. Are you okay with that? Probably not. That's okay. It says this. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I like what this commentary says. It says this, Previously, John examined us according to the moral measure of our walk with God. That's how he examined us. Later, he's going to examine us in the book of 1 John according to the doctrine that we have and how we measure our walk with God. Now, this is interesting. He examines us based on our love for our brother. And that's important. Now, there's another important aspect to this. John's writing to God's own people. John isn't talking about having great deep love for everybody outside the church. He says, no, let's just, let's focus. I mean, that's important. Don't get me wrong, but let's focus on those inside the church. Those who we call brother and sister, right? There are those, well, pastor, you don't understand what they did to me, what they said about me. Bobby, you just wouldn't get it. You don't understand what that that so-and-so said about me. How many ever heard that? That so-and-so. I I always wonder, what's a so-and-so, Bobby? Gary, you know what a so-and-so is? Do you want to take a guess? (laughs) No? Okay. Listen, it's important. John says, you can't claim to love Christ and hate God's own people. You can't claim to love Jesus and then hate the people in church. You say, well, they don't go to this church. Are you kidding me? 
If they belong to the body of Christ and you hate them, the Bible says you're walking around blind. Pastor David, you understand what they did to me. Pastor David, you just don't understand what they said to me, what they said about me. Pastor David, I don't want anything to do with them. I can't believe they even call themselves a Christian. You ever have people like that? I can't believe they even call themselves a Christian. I don't know why. It's like a southern uh, Pastor David. It's like, a, it's like a southern women's group is what it is. Pastor David? I can't believe they call themselves a Christian. Bless their heart. Thank you. Perfect. Well, just bless their heart. You know what bless your heart means? I once heard a Christian comedian say this. This is funny. Bless your heart means they're an idiot. Oh, uh, Bob went bankrupt. Bless his heart. Right? That's, well, oh, Johnny fell down and broke his leg. Bless his heart. Johnny is right there. Don't worry about it. Johnny's like, that's not me. In the South, bless your heart. is like, oh, bless his heart. That's like a dismissive thing. And so people say, Pastor David, I can't believe they even call themselves a Christian. Based on your response, I can't believe you call yourself one. Come on. Based on your response, I can't believe you call yourself one. According to John, you are blind and in the dark. You are blind and in the dark. Now, the truth is this. Maybe they just messed up. Right? How many ever had someone mess up in your life? You say, Pastor David, I can't believe what they did to me. Maybe they just had a bad day. Maybe they just had a bad day. You ever have a bad day? I've had bad days. I might be having a bad day right now, Mike. (laughs) Truth is, maybe instead of responding with criticism and harshness, we should respond with extended grace. Amen? We want to always choose, when possible, we want to choose to respond with extended grace. Because we never know. Maybe they're having a horrible day. And it's just, it's, it's your job to, 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 to be the light in their life. It's your job to reflect Christ to them. I think I said this uh, a couple weeks ago. I can't. I was talking about, we, I was going out to lunch with somebody. And she just looked like she was having, the waitress looked like she was having a horrible day. Just had a bad day. We said to her, are you, you doing okay? Pastor David, why would you even ask her that? Because she looked like she was having a bad day, and we want to be the light of Christ in people's lives. Amen? Why would you even, why would you even bother her, Pastor David? Because out of my love for her, I want her to know the truth of Jesus. Right? And we say, well, that's just rude. Well, you're going to have to be rude then. Come on. Well, that's just out of place. That's not proper. Maybe we don't need so much proper in the church anymore. Come on. Maybe we don't need so much proper. Easy, Sue. (laughs) We want to respond with extended grace. Right? I'm so glad that God responds to my screw-ups with extended grace. Amen? Despite what my wife thinks, I'm not perfect. I am not. Boy, Peggy. Peggy's like, that's a shocker. Oh. Listen, it's funny. 
I, I messed up, and God, he responds to me with extended grace. How many know that God responds to us with extended, beyond grace, right? We can't even, I mean, we think about just how much we have spat in the face of God. We think about how much we have disobeyed his commandments. We think about how much we've just disregarded his word in our lives, and yet continually, 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 he offers us grace, offers us mercy. I love that. So we need to extend grace to those around us. It's not always easy, right, Bobby? It's not always easy. Hey, listen, some people who have hurt me the most call themselves a part of the Christian family. Some people who have hurt me the most call themselves Christians. The interesting thing is this. Sometimes our behavior is a reflection of our maturity. Our behavior can be a reflection of our maturity. So sometimes you're just dealing with someone who's not mature. And sometimes you react like someone who's not mature. I've been there. Come on. I'll just point to myself right now. I don't need to preach to you. I'll just point to myself. Listen, next week, we're going to continue in 1 John. And we're going to take a look at the difference between the baby Christian and the mature Christian. Because there's baby Christians and then there's mature Christians. Today. Today, we're going to end the service with communion. So, Before we do, I'd like you to do this. If you'll stand with me. You say, Pastor David, that's a tough message. Yeah, John doesn't pull punches. But he does it in love. He does it because he wants us to know truth. He doesn't want to give us a sweet-tasting lie. Amen? He doesn't want to give me a caramel onion. Come on. Listen, the truth is, I can give you a sweet-tasting lie. It probably make me real popular. It might make me real popular. They might even want to put me on public access TV. You don't want to see it. Hey, this is a face for radio. Come on. Come on. <laughs> it's a good podcast one. No, listen, here's the thing. It doesn't matter if there's ten or a hundred. It doesn't, matter if, it doesn't matter if this church gets filled to capacity. If we can't fit another person in the seats, in this church, we're going to speak the truth. Amen? In this church, we're going to preach the truth of God's Word. I can give you a sweet-tasting lie, but then I wouldn't be doing what God has called me to do. And there's sometimes it grieves my heart can I be honest with you? Sometimes it grieves my heart. Not because I want to, not because I'm sharing the truth of God, but because I don't. I love, I love you guys. I love people. I, I long for you to be mature in your faith. And some of you are. Some of you are doing great. Some of you are. It's awesome. And some of you guys are growing and thriving, and it's great and it's awesome. I, I look at my life. I say, God, I want to grow. I can't stay where I am. I can't become stagnant. I want to grow. We're in this growth process together. Amen. And we're gonna we're gonna teach the truth of God's word out of love. 
that if you know him, you'll keep his commandments. If you know him, you'll keep his commandments. Here's the thing. I'd like you to consider the words of the Apostle John. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. But whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no stumbling. You say, Pastor David, uh, what... What do you want to focus on? Maybe somebody in the church has offended you. Maybe, maybe there's somebody in the church that you just, boy, you can't stand them. Maybe they're not even in this building. They're, just, they're, they're part of the body of Christ. And you say, I just can't stand them. It, it shows hatred towards them. It shows hatred towards them. Listen, the thing is this. Maybe they've hurt you. Like I said, some of, the, some of the people that hurt me the very most have been in the church. As we gather together for communion, I want you to think about those people and then consider the forgiveness that Christ shows us. Amen? I want you to think about that big word, propitiation. Think about how he stood in the gap for our sin. And by the way, he stood in the gap for their sin. Consider that in following Christ, I want to extend grace and forgiveness to those around me. I want to extend forgiveness and grace to those who, who, who may offend me, who may hate me. Maybe it's someone outside this church. Maybe it's someone in this, inside this church. Heck, maybe it's me. I mess up. I'm not the first one to, right? Forgive me. Lord, help me. Help me if, you know, I, I pray, God, help me to forgive those around me and help them to forgive me. I'm not perfect, right? So this morning, we're going to make our way up here. We're going to gather the elements together, and then we're going to gather together, and we're going to pray together. It's interesting because when uh, we're talked, told about communion, we're told not to take it in an unholy manner, Bob. We're not to take it with sin in our hearts. If you hate your brother or if your brother's offended you, you can't forgive him, that's sin in your heart. And so this morning, we're going to make our way up here, and as you do, think about that. Say, Lord, help me to offer forgiveness to them. Help me to offer grace in the same way that you offered it to me at the cross. He offered it to, to, to you, and he offered it to me. Amen? Amen. Let's gather the elements together. We're going to worship a little bit, and then we'll meet right up here.